I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. We're always out of bubblegum here on New York Giant Straight Talk, powered by Online Big Blue LLC. Oh, we want to talk about the Shane press conference. I want to talk about something that's kind of been irking me a little bit since Sunday. Did the Belichick actually gift the game to the Giants? And I'm not saying he he purposely threw the game. I'm not saying that he tanked, but I, I, I'm just curious. Did he literally gift the game to New York on that last play before the actual field goal attempt? And we're going to talk about that. But first, I want to talk about the Joe Shane press conference. You know, it's the end of the year midseason press conference. Not the end of the year. It's the midseason press conference or the, or the press conference before the bye week. So you got a chance to talk to some reporters, get the chance to answer some questions and question Joe Shane. And there's always answers, non-answers, direction, misdirection. And then sometimes there's a spattering of truth in these press conferences. And I want to play some of the clips and we want to dissect them a little tiny bit. So let's, let's play the first one I find interesting. It's a, it's a question is, um, the possibility of addressing the quarterback situation. Now, the quarterback situation, of course, in the NFL is, is the uh, is, is the most important position on the team. If you don't have a good quarterback, you don't have an above average quarterback. You're not going anywhere. It's proven that uh, you know the better quarterbacks win in the Super Bowl. So he was asked this question. So let's listen. Let's listen to this question and this response. With the the quarterback position with Daniel, I, I imagine <coughs> you you know what you have in him. That you know is your, what you believe his potential is, or what you see, basically what you've evaluated over the last couple of years and throughout his career before he came here. Mm-hmm. How do you balance the known with the possibility of acquiring an unknown with a different ceiling with something like that? Um. And I love it. At this point, he shakes his head. Now, now, now he's gonna gaslight a little bit. Try to figure out. So the known of Daniel, like I would say another, another acquiring. He knows the question. He's just trying to play quick. Like you mean the known that what Daniel is against drafting somebody else is, is that what you're trying to say? Your player through the draft or something like that. Yeah. Where you don't necessarily know what his ceiling is because he hasn't played in the league. Right. Yeah. And there's always risk. I mean, look at the past, however many years of top 10 quarterbacks, you know, we just, we went. Yeah, and you have a top ten quarterback. You gave one hundred sixty million dollars, went one and four, and got hurt again. I just went through in two thousand eighteen draft, and how many of those guys are starting? How many are with different teams? Some are. Op- Should we go in the nineteen draft and see? Hmm. League that were taken in the first round from that draft. So, um, again, it's not a position you can just evaluate on film. I don't believe you got to get with these kids. You got to. The good news is they've been sending a plethora of scouts. All over. You say I have a plethora of piñatas? No, but we got a plethora of scouts going everywhere scouting quarterbacks. With them, you got to get around them. You got to put them on the board. Can they learn? Can they process information? You got to talk to the people, especially in this market, like bringing a quarterback into this market. I mean, it's it's not for everybody. Not everybody can handle it. Um, but again, it, you know, it could be a free agent. We're going to have to address it at some point. Uh, You're going to have to address it at some point. And he's going to say it could be a free agent, could be vis-a-vis the draft, but we'll just wait a second here. Again, that maybe we have a UFA here that you know we could always sign back. So there's different ways. You have a younger, uh, you have an undrafted free agent in Tyrod Taylor. You could always sign back, but you don't know if Tyrod wants to come back. Could address the position, um, but there's no guarantees as of right now that Daniel will be ready week one. So that's how you gotta approach it. Like 
who can we bring in that can maybe help us win a couple games while Daniel gets healthy or, um, you know, maybe Daniel will be ready week one. There's just some unknowns right now, and we'll know as we get closer to free agency where he is in his rehab and, and how we need to approach the offseason. Tommy DeVito is not really a thought here. He mentions him briefly, but he's not really a thought. It's all about what we could do to get this team ready before Daniel Jones comes back. So in some ways, it seems like he is, he's addressing the elephant in the room that, and we all kind of know it, you, give, you have a $68 million dead cap number. He's taking up like 18% of your cap space. Daniel Jones is going to be back. And the next question I loved was, um, why do you still believe? I love this question because it's just such an honest question. It's why do you still believe in Daniel Jones? Believe in Daniel. How would you answer that? Um, I mean, I've seen it. I mean, you guys were all saw last season. I mean, the guy won 10 games. He won a road playoff game for the, for the job. He barely threw for 3000 yards, 15 touchdowns. Yes. 700 yards rushing, but all of his stats would, would be, would be referred to as below average for NFL standards. I mean, you guys saw the whole, the preseason. Um, again, I just think the preseason, he played in one drive in the preseason, one drive and almost got Walla Walla Waller killed. Um, you know, we got punched in the nose early on and, you know, we dug ourselves a hole and we weren't able to, to, to get out of it. You know, we're, we're trying to right now, but still believe in Daniel and, uh, the person. I believe in Daniel, the person. How about you talk about believing in Daniel, the athlete, Daniel, the quarterback, you talk about how he won 10 wins. I, we, we accounted for it last year that there was five wins last year that games that we won that we didn't we would not have won if Saquon Barkley was not in the game and that's starting with the Tennessee game so can we can can we address that elephant in the room or or are we just not allowed to are are we not allowed to talk about that now like I said I'm not getting all fired up about press conferences because press conferences are what they are you you're gonna get snippets you're gonna get tidbits you're you're gonna get you're gonna get information but you're not really gonna get everything but he's he, and I love it because people are like, well, he's he, there. There's so much misdirection and there's so much uh, change of thoughts and ideas that it's kind of weird that he kind of thinks one way, then he thinks the other way. Then it's he's going to go in the draft, and we have to look at undrafted free agents, or, uh, or we got to look at uh, free agents or unrestricted free agents. But Daniel Jones is coming back, and we believe in Daniel Jones. Oh my God, it makes your freaking head hurt. Then da- then he was asked the Shane Anot about drafting a quarterback in round one. Uh-huh. How do you plan for it then, not knowing? like Kind of what I said earlier, on the, like we're still going to have to address the position at some point because there's no guarantee he's going to be back week one. And Tyrod's, you know, his contract's up. So, you know, we just got to figure out. Those will be off-season decisions. Um, you know, as we go through the off-season, we'll have a little bit better idea of his return to play, you know, as he continues the rehab. Sure, there's, there's addressing the position and there's using a first-round, possible first-round pick on, on the position. So where are you on that on that spectrum? I mean, if... if if there's a player that you like there that's a quarterback in the first round, would you would you make that choice? Yeah, we're, we'll take the best player available. You know, if the best player available, you know, for our team is at a certain position, we'll, we'll take it. I mean, we won't shy away from it. And, again, that's that's a ways away, you know, the draft in April. So, um, you know, we're still working through all that in the offseason progress. So we, we have to come up with a plan, like I said, just for the offseason right now. Dan, or Tommy's the only one. I almost said Danny DeVito. Tommy's the only one that's under under contract, so you know we'll, we'll look at all different avenues. Hey, does does he watch online Big Blue Sports Entertainment? That he says Danny DeVito because we don't call Tommy Tommy. We call besides calling him, of course, what we always like to call him Jersey Shore Tommy. 
wait for the beat to drop. We call him Danny DeVito here. We call him Danny. How often do we call him Danny DeVito on the show? At least seven times a game. You know, I, I'm not. I'm not thinking that the Giants are going to get. Um, I, I'm not thinking the Giants are going to give away any inf- information on November 27th about what their draft status is. I'm, I'm not going to go crazy about what Shane says now compared to what he's going to say down the road. Um, he's committed 160 million dollars. Yes, only 90 of that is guaranteed to Daniel Jones. He's got a $68 million dead cap number next year. He's got almost $25 million in a dead cap number the following season. Daniel Jones, for good, bad, or worse, is going to be on this team. We, we're probably going to have to see, unless they go a totally different direction, year six at some point in time of Daniel Jones. And I know it disgusts a lot of fans. You had, you had the open letter to the Giants about uh, people revoking their fanhood, and you got people on Twitter blasting them about it. And um, I, I'm not um, I, I'm not going to sit there and say that it's uh, you know that it's anything because it's not. It is what it is. I, I mean, you you can you can blast people, but like I said, it's the um, it, it's the air of misdirection that you get from Shane that you would expect from any general manager. Um, but people that are that are renouncing their fanhood over this, it's just silly. It's it's just it's it's just silly. Uh, I did want to play the clip about potentially moving Evan Neal from tackle to guard. I still think it's a bad idea. I don't even think the Giants should be thinking about that whatsoever. Um, I do get concerned about it a little bit, but like I said, Evan Neal, even though he with his flip the burger comment was probably stupid and should never have been said. Um, but there was some truth in his statement and the fact that. You know, if I have 43 plays, out of those 43, people harp on two of the 43. And they they forget about the other 41. And I, and I agree with that. So let's see what Shane says about moving him to God. Hey, follow up on Evan, on Evan Neal. You said he needs to play better. Yeah. But are you at a point the end of his second year where you need to think about whether he's a tackle or he's a guard? No, I don't think so. Um I've went back and watched the Alabama stuff. Like the, the, the kid can play. We just got to get him to be more consistent. Like I got. Here's the thing that bothers me. I went back and watched the Alabama stuff. Why don't you go back and watch the footage that you have for the last two years of him? Why would you go back to college? And I've said this a million times before. And Shane is smart enough to understand this. You what translate in what you, what you saw three years ago in college is not going to translate into the pros. Confidence in Evan. Uh, he's a hard worker. It's killing him right now to be out there. He's missing some valuable reps in year two. But as soon as he's healthy, again, he's scratching and clawing to get back. We're looking forward to getting back there. But, um, you know, he knows there's some things he can do better. And, um, you know, that's what we expect. The problem with Evan Neal is he's not boisterous. Kayvon Thibodeau, who is pretty boisterous, who's, who's had some good games and some bad games thrown in where he's disappeared, let's be honest, who has, you know, he's got over 11, he's got 11 sacks. But at this point in time, you know, uh, I said it before, look at Marcus Golden's season. This, this, it, it, it's, his season reminds me of a Marcus Golden S season. I'm not saying he's a bust. I never said he's a bust. I'm not saying Evan Neal's a bust, but if Evan Neal's a little bit more boisterous, we probably would leave him alone and you would have the venerable Carl Banks, you know, sitting there and defending Evan Neal like he does Kayvon Thibodeau, like he's, like he's his own child. Um, but I, I don't see, I don't see that happen, but like, it's like let's not, <clears throat> let's not go back and say, Hey, listen, I went, all, I went all the way back and I looked at, um, you know, I looked at it and then Joe was asked if we, you know, what's going on with the playoffs. 
you know, we got five games left. So, you know, against the NFC teams, you know, against four. Two against Washington. I mean, not Washington. Two against Philadelphia. Yikes. And, and Philadelphia could potentially now need that last game of the season if, if Dallas keeps on par. You know, we're not out of it. So, um, with that being said, I know you guys are going to have some questions in terms of, you know, upcoming free agents. You know, I'm not going to talk about any of those. You're never out of it. We, we've learned that because, you know what, if, if, it, if, if it was 6-10 and 10 and we thought we were going to make the playoffs, we're never out of it now. Uh, I love it because then he also had a question to ask about why Saquon Barkley was unavailable at the trade deadline. I like this question, too. Why did you make Saquon unavailable at the trade deadline? It seems kind of counter to how you, you operate. Um, why did I make Saquon? I, I wasn't going to move him. I, we had a conversation about it. It wasn't even a... When it, I think some of you guys asked a question about that maybe a couple of weeks before the trade deadline or the week of, and just to eliminate distraction. Like again, I think it's what you just said. He's he's one of our most productive offensive players right now. To to move that guy, um, you know, just didn't make didn't make any sense, and we didn't take any calls or receive any calls on him. Uh, that actually to me is kind of shocking. And again, I don't know if that was a moment of honesty, but why wouldn't you take calls for your best player when you're having a bad season? Why wouldn't you just field some calls? I mean, just think about that for a minute. Why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you pick up the phone? Hey, uh, Joe, is uh, Saquon available? Uh, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you don't want a first and a fourth for him? I mean, why, why would you do that? Why wouldn't you even think about it? I don't get that. I really don't because that, that I don't, I don't know. He, he's, he's a quandary wrapped in a riddle sometimes, Joe Shane. And I don't know if he's really, really, this is what worries me about Joe Shane. I don't know if he's really, really smart or really, really dumb. I really don't because of the fact that some, th- some of the things he does, you kind of question, kind of shake your head. It's the same thing with Brian Dable. Sometimes I watch Brian Dable coach and I'm like, is he really, really smart? Or is he just really, really dumb? Because he has judgy in moments, and those judgy in moments aren't working out right now. And they worked out last year. Um, you know, it, remi- it reminds me of the, like I said, it reminds me of the scene from uh, Jaws. He's a big fish, is he? I can't tell if he's really, really smart or really, really dumb. He's gone under the boat. And, and one of the things I just don't like is the gaslighting, though, by the Giants. They talk about the rift between Brian Dable and Wink Martindale, and Joe Shane says, in 22 months, we, we, we've been here, Wink, and the relationships hasn't changed. And he makes it seem, and he makes it seem like, you know, people are crazy. It's like, yeah, no, wait, and I love it because he does the same thing. He does the same thing that Brian Dable does. He goes, what, what are you talking about? There's a problem with Wink and them? It's like, yes, you know there's a problem with Wink and them. You've seen it on the sidelines. You've seen it before. There's, there's, there's an issue? He gaslights the hell out of people. With I love it. You know, Shepard and Slayton get into an argument. Dable's got to come over. No, there's no argument. Well, I don't know what you're talking about. Argument? What argument? I keep bringing something up and I'm going to get to the Belichick thing right now, but I keep bringing something up. That's worrying me about Tommy DeVito. I'm going to post it on Twitter. Um, now Tommy DeVito is not the answer. He's not the future. We all know this. He's a great story. Uh, people that are comparing him to drew Brees are just fucking nuts, but there, there is just something that's bugging the hell out of me. And I thought that, um, I thought that Belichick would take advantage of it. And there was some batted down balls, but if you watch Tommy DeVito's wind up, He's got such a big windup, and he exposes the ball at one point in time during this windup. He's got almost like a pitcher's windup. 
And if you watch, I'm going to actually post a screenshot today after I post this video. You, you can see, and I get worried about it because Belichick was already batting down some balls. And I'm worried about as more and more film gets on this, that more balls are going to be knocked out of his hand because of his throwing motion. It's almost like an over-elongated pitcher's motion at times. Um, and I'm kind of worried about that. The, the last thing is the Belichick. Everyone's like the Belichick, the Belichick, the Belichick. I was trying to figure out is the Belichick like like Jules? He's a really really smart fish, are really really dumb. Did he give away the game on Sunday? I'm not saying he threw the game, but did he make it a little bit more difficult for his rookie kick rookie cooker? Excuse me, rookie kicker. Think about this for a second. They're dry. You are driving down. You are within field goal range. You want to pick up a kick, a few, a few extra yards. You want to put your rookie kicker in a position where he's basically kicking an extra point. Now, of course, extra points have been moved back, so it's a little bit more difficult. But you have this rookie kicker coming in, and instead of putting him between the hash marks, like you probably should, like it's an extra point, they run a they run a play to the far right hash mark which I thought was really weird in the rain, bad weather, wind, that you're not going to try to have more of a straight-on attempt, that the play went to the right hash mark. The far, the right, they literally kicked from, you watch it, they literally kicked from the far right, far right, it's only one hash mark. They literally kicked from the right hash mark. And I just thought that was weird as a coach that's been in this league since the 70s, that he turned around and, put his rookie kicker in a position to cook, to, excuse me, to cook, <laughs> to kick from the right hash mark instead of the center of the field. Most of the times when you know you're going to kick a field goal, you're in within field goal range, you either want to get a couple yards or you want to position yourself to get your, you know, get your kicker in the best position. A lot of times what will happen is this quarterback will either just run a sneak right in the middle of the field or they'll just run a play, fall down right in the middle of the field. So they position the kicker in a better area to make, to have the availability to make the kick. But for some reason, the Belichickian play went all the way to the right hash mark. And of course, the kick, it looked very peculiar when he was kicking from that, from that right hash mark. So it's almost like was Belichick just trying to give us the game so he could, well, not really give us the game, but make it a little bit more difficult for uh, them to win the game so they can get a higher draft choice. You want to talk about, you know, Doug Peterson in the, um, you know, in the Philly fiasco and during that Joe judge six and 10 season where everyone's like, well, he threw the game so we wouldn't make the playoffs. Just think about that for a minute. How many times have you seen a guy in field, a coach in field goal range, just snap the ball, run it right in the middle. Or what they do is they run the quarterback sneak and they position the ball almost dead center between the two hash, between the hash marks. No, they ran the play all the way to the right hash mark. <laughs> I don't know. Seemed really weird to me. Uh, we're going to have a couple videos coming up before the end of the week. We're going to have the Knicks 3 and D, a new video come up in a couple days. So make sure you stay tuned for that. And as always, don't forget to like. Don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to ring that bell because you want to know why. That'd be awesome.